Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today with us, we've got Jose Escalante. He's the CEO of Futura Farms. Jose, thanks for being with us at The Talking Hedge. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Tell nice us a to little, be here. Yeah, thank you. Tell us a little bit about Futura Farms, where you're at, what it is, all that stuff. Sure. So uh, we define uh, Futura Farms as a cannabis company. Uh, it's a cannabis company, tech-enabled tech cannabis company uh, with a mission to uh, promote health, wellness, and quality of life by democratizing access to medical cannabis in Latin America. What we actually do is we have developed a digital platform, a digital ecosystem uh, that helps patients navigate through the bureaucracy of getting or acquiring a kind of treatment. We connect them with uh, trained physicians, which we train ourselves, and with uh, authorized vendors, which we provide the products to. Okay. Everything through a 100% digital experience. So let's back that up a little bit and, and maybe explain like why you have this company. So uh, are you in Peru? Yes, based in Peru. Okay. So, so you're down in Latin America, you're based in Peru. And um, from my understanding, the market down there is different from every state. You know, any, any region is different, obviously. Um, yes. so, so my understanding down there is, is um, you guys have... Um, um, doctors and nurses that can authorize medical marijuana, we'll, we'll call it that. Um, and so you have this online platform to essentially make it easier, more accessible for individuals to get to those authorization, the medical authorization professionals. Yes, correct. So, uh, in, in, in what we've been seeing in, in the market and especially with the pandemic, uh, People are preferring services that don't require them to get out of their homes. So we do everything through telemedicine and we try to send products to our patients' homes, uh, which is possible with CBD products at least, not, not for THC. But we, we try to, to do everything digital and, and make our patients' lives easier. So is the need for your platform, is that because the pandemic has, has, um, um, has created a sense where people want to stay home and, and there's that fear factor? Or is it uh, conservative individuals who don't want to be seen going to cannabis doctors? Or is it just so heavily regulated people just don't know how to do it? It's a little bit of recent A and recent C. So the pandemic has uh, helped digital services expand. So everything's, uh, not everything, but a lot of things have, have uh, people, people tend to do more things digitally. So they order food digitally, they, they don't, uh, they, they more often, uh, then uh, order food via via apps or then the phone or going to the restaurant. They, there are a lot of telemedicine services uh, that have uh, risen with, with the pandemic. So mm. the pandemic has helped uh, the digitalization of a lot of industries. And, and, and that's a good reason that we, uh, or a good, good opportunity we saw to, to, to take advantage of. 
And I don't think uh, the, the the second reason you 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 said that, that people are trying not to get seen going to the cannabis doctor because here in Peru, uh, every physician uh, registered with the CMP, the Colegio Medico Peru, can prescribe cannabis, so you can get cannabis from any doctors. But doctors are very conservative and they don't know a, a, a lot about cannabis. So they, they, they are very, uh, at least at first, uh, they were very reluctant to prescribe cannabis. Mm -hmm. So we decided also to invest in our own, uh, in our own medical service in order to generate the demand. Well, tell me a little bit about that, because I find it very challenging to have to educate and then sell. That's a hard thing to do. It, you know, normally, or most of the time, the product will sell itself. In this case, you have to educate a doctor on why they should be prescribing. And that's a huge part. In the U.S., or even North America, Canada included, the bud tenders are like the people who are prized because they're the individuals between the customer and the product but in this case there's a, a barrier or blockade and that is the doctor how do you educate the doctor in order to to get them to prescribe yeah so uh, just start here here in peru the market is a little bit different because it's uh it's a health market it's a medicine medicinal market not, not a not a recreational market mm -hmm. and you have to get a prescription uh before getting any kind of cannabis products, either CBD or, or THC-based products. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, can you repeat the, the, the last part of the question? Yeah, I'm wondering how you, the process of educating the doctors, how do you educate right. and then sell? Yeah, so we, we made a partnership with an American company called uh, Medical Cannabis Institute, TMCI. And uh, we co-developed a course, a uh, three-module course, uh, uh, basically uh, ca uh, medical cannabis 101, right? So the first two modules are medical and scientific. And the third module is about the Peruvian regulation and how uh, physicians must prescribe and wh what can they do and what can't they do. So we first uh, give that course to, to, or sell that course to, to, to the physicians. And after that, we have uh, weekly meetings uh, with our medical directors and doctors of the platform and outside the platform also, uh, in which they go through medical uh, cases, scientific evidence, and answer questions uh, of specific cases that, that physicians have. And, and this is an ongoing education. It's not that you have one course and that's it. It's, uh, we, you have the course, and then you go over it uh, every week as, as as you need, you need you need to attend these meetings. How is sex, how accessible is it? Uh, I would assume a lot of people are still using you know mobile phones. Is this virtual or telemedicine, or uh, do they have to go into a location physically? How does it work? It's all telemedicine. You can uh, have your medical consultation via your computer uh, on your phone. Mm -hmm. If you have issues with the connection uh, with a uh, or with the teleconference system, uh, the doctor will call you to have the, 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 the consultation via phone, phone call, yeah. 
Okay. So and, this, is, this isn't just a platform to connect you and then you go into the office. This is um, from start to finish. There, you're, yes. You log in, you meet the doctor, you get your prescription, and then you're done. Correct. 100% digital experience. Uh, you can also order your products uh, through our customer service team, and, and, and the product will, will arrive no, no later than 24 hours to your house. And are you involved in that process as well? Yes. Yes. We try to close a circle. That's smart. What we try to do, yeah. What we try to do is uh, help the patient get everything they need in one, in one place instead of hopping from, from store to store or from, from vendor to vendor. And, and, and if, if you make the patient's life easier, they, they, they tend to return. And so are, do you have a license then for delivery? Are you involved in the production or the branding? Um, tell me a little bit about how licensing is, is um, how it works in Peru and what your involvement is at each level. Sure. So uh, there are basically three broad kinds of licenses in Peru, research licenses, uh, production licenses, and distribution and commercialization licenses. We hold a distribution and commercialization license that allow us to sell product to pharmacies uh, that have a commercialization license. And uh, so we sell our products that we uh, develop with different cannabis producers, basically in Colombia, and we import them in Peru. Uh, so we sell these products to pharmacies, which subsequently sell them to our patients. And you're able to import that. Can you export? Germany's talking about going legal. That's going to, you know, have another round of, of pot stock, uh, crazy market reactions. But before that, are yeah. you are you able to? Imp so you're importing from Colombia. Can you export to other countries, or is that just with them? Uh, I can import uh, products from every country uh, that has a regulation mm -hmm. on cannabis medical regulation. Uh, I, it is possible to export cannabis. My license doesn't allow me to, so I can only sell locally, uh, to pharmacies that have the license, mm. but there are the, the production and, and, and cultivation licenses allow, allow you to, to export the product. Okay. Why would somebody want to buy Peruvian cannabis. Um, California is pretty famous for it, but we were kind of hearing that Latin America might be producing, you know, five to 15 cents GMP certified with landing costs. Um, is that, is that possible? I'm not quite sure. I, uh, I actually, I'm not in the production side. We're not looking into that, but, uh, with that being said, uh, Peru is, uh, it's a very famous country for agriculture. We have a lot of infrastructure in, in that regard. Uh, we have very favorable uh, weather and, and soil for cannabis. Uh, so I anticipate that not only Peru, but other countries in Latin America, such as Colombia, would be uh, a very good source of cannabis if things uh, are done right. Uh, Peru, unluckily, hasn't been uh, moving so fast. So we only have one issued production license. Uh, they, they have a beautiful facility uh, two hours out of Lima, pharma fa uh, facility, uh, extraction lab, everything. 
but that it's the only one and, and, I, I, and they just started planting. So I'm not sure when will Peruvian cannabis will be available at a reasonable price uh, for, for the market to, to acquire. What about the local market? What's the quality and price that you're paying down there? Local market is a really, really uh, price sensitive market. Uh, CBD prices in Peru are very, are very, I don't want to say low, but they're, it, 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 it's not an expensive market. And the dynamics of the market is, is weird. Right now, we, we estimate that over 95% of the market is controlled by informal vendors. Uh, because it's, it's, it's an industry that has been uh, illegal or, or info, informal for, for the past, I don't know, 100 years. And, and I'm talking about just the, the medical, not, not the recreational illegal market, but the informal medical market. And uh, it's, it, it's, the dynamics are weird because uh, prices of the informal market, including the tele, tele or, or the medical consultations, are often higher than the formal market. So it, 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 it's weird and, 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 I, and, I, and, and I attribute that uh, to people that don't want to go through the hurdle of a medical consultation and they are already used to buying their CBD tinctures uh, in the corner out of their house. And it's something that we, we need to change in the following months. What are some of the top reasons that people are going in and getting uh, prescriptions? We, we have, well, uh, in our case, the three main ailments that we treat are anxiety, insomnia, and uh, chronic pain. We have received uh, patients with, with MS or epilepsy, but the, 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 the main ailments we're trying to treat are, are, are those three. Okay. What are they buying? Have you noticed some some buying, or do you know, like based on your platform, what they're ordering? Is there a buying preference that you're seeing, um, and have that has that changed since the pandemic? Yes, yes. So the beauty the beauty of our of our model is that as we are 100% digital and we're so close to patients and so close to the doctors, we generate a lot of data. So, and the main data we're focusing on is uh, noticing what, what's the market buying and what's the market requiring. And right now, uh, most of the prescriptions are for CBD, uh, different concentrations, starting 5% CBD, going up to 20. Uh, and uh, there's, uh, there's preference for one-on-one uh, -on -one CBD and THC products also. Okay. And how's that changed? Um, did you notice people uh, combusting less during, you know, the height of COVID? Did they switch to edibles like we saw in North America? What is like the before and after picture look like, or or maybe like the during? It, yeah, it's it, it's hard to sell. Uh, so just for you to understand the timeline. Uh, Medical cannabis was formally uh, introduced to the market in December 2019 through one government-controlled pharmacy. Mm. And uh, they started selling medical cannabis in private pharmacies in October 2020. 
So it's hard to say how did the market behave before the pandemic. Uh, and besides that, the products allowed uh, to, to, to be sold here in the market uh, is very limited. So we can't sell ed edibles such as gummies. Uh, we can't smoke flour. Is the, the vaping is super restricted. So basically they're, they're pushing towards uh, capsules, uh, soft gels, and, and tinctures. So that's, that's uh, the tinctures are the, the, the best selling products in the market right now. Yeah, normally flour is around, you know, 60%. In California, it's the lowest around 42%. So the fact that you don't have that um, is really restrictive, similar to what we saw yes. in Canada for a long time um, before they had their quote 2.0 rollout. When is Peru's 2.0 rollout when you can have edibles and flour and concentrates and all these other things? There's an ongoing conversation with the regulator uh, in order to change that. And, and, and it's, it's hard to sell when. We, we, we're trying to push for, for cosmetics right now mm. because it's technically not, not prohibited in, in the regulation, uh, cosmetics and, and edibles and, and, and vapes. Uh, I don't see flour uh, coming into the market uh, anytime soon. There are a couple of players uh, trying to, to sell flour as, uh, as formula magistral, which is basically compounding that, yeah, and saying, yeah, if the, market, if the doctor prescribes flour to me, I should be able to buy it in a pharmacy. And let's see how that goes. And, and I, yeah, I think that experiment will, will go live sometime in 2022. But to, to say uh, definitely a time frame in which uh, we, we will see flour being sold in the market, it's very hard to say. As our regulators are very, very, very conservative and we have a, a we have basically two regulators, the, the, the equivalent of the FDA and the, the, the equivalent of the DEA. So these guys, Dirandro, uh, uh, are very, in, with reason, they're, they're very like, scared of what can, 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 can go in the market if, if they allow flour, if, if it, it may be a gateway for, for the legal market to, to gain some, some terrain there. Is there an issue with D8? Have you heard about Delta 8 coming from hemp and being psychoactive? It, would that be an issue uh, to convert hemp into a, a psychoactive uh, competitor to THC? Is that something that they're, that they're nervous or worried about? I, uh, there's no Delta 8 or, or other uh, kind of cannabinoids uh, similar in, in Peru right now, at least formally. Uh, there's no, the regulation is uh, a medical cannabis regulation and it, it basically uh, uh, does not allow hemp to be grown. So we're pushing to, 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 uh, for, a, for, a, for a hemp regulation, many players on the market, uh, and we're trying to see that uh, happen next year, which will allow uh, cannabinoids such as Delta 8. And I don't anticipate that if we provide a framework in which the regulators can actually control and supervise how this is dispensated and how it is sold in the market, 
uh, we don't anticipate that they will be uh, very reluctant. Mm. The, the good thing of our regulators, which was surprising, is that they are very inviting of uh, the private sector and uh, cannabis associations to co-create or co-develop these this new regulations and, and the modifications to the actual regulation. So that's a good thing. That is good. So they're, they're open to people coming in and, and assisting. What about investors? Yeah, when I, when, I, when, I, when I spoke about the private sector, I was speaking about private companies and investors that are related in the, in the market. So yeah. For example, talking about any any restrictions like Washington State has a ten percent cap on any ownership, so you can't own more than ten percent. No, there's there's no there's no such thing here. It's it's open and free. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, that's great. Uh, are you seeing a lot of investment or interest coming in from either local or uh, overseas? I was in, in an event in Mexico, uh, and they were very. I received at Peru as a, as a very nice, seeing, seeing that, as I said, uh, excellent soil, we, we grow uh, a lot of uh, products here. We uh, avocado, we export, uh, we're one of the leading countries in, in agriculture. Uh, I see that, that there's a lot of interest in see how Peru can perform in, 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 in the production of cannabis. And this is a challenge for the regulators to help private uh, companies, new companies get licenses and start uh, putting uh, Peru right there where Colombia is and most probably will make, uh, where Mexico will be next year when, when their regulation opens up. And it, it's important to see uh, that, that that our, our regulators help us become uh, efficient and competitive in the market. Mm -hmm. Especially with news such as Germany last week uh, opening up for recreational use. Mm -hmm. And given uh, many markets in Europe uh, will open, will open their, 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 their regulations. The US, uh, I, I don't know what the time frame is, but they will uh, legalize federally eventually and it's a great opportunity to, to, to reactivate the economy post-pandemic. So the Peruvian economy has been hit enormously uh, and, and cannabis could help our economy to, to get back to where it was and, and generate jobs and create taxes and all that. In addition to all the jobs that the production and the brands and the retail would create, what about tourism? Is that anything that regulators or, or officials are talking about? And how would that impact the Peruvian economy? I haven't heard of uh, cannabis tourism uh, yet for Peru, but given that Peru is a very attractive uh, place for tourists we we have all this history all this culture i i can't rule out uh a good balance a good merge between uh cannabis and tourism and, and they, they, currently there's tourism for uh for substances like ayahuasca 
So there are clinics uh, in the Amazon, clinics in Cusco that offer ayahuasca services that are legal. Uh, and uh, yeah, why not? Why not cannabis? We can we can we can grow great cannabis and and, and dynamize our, our economy and create more jobs and all that with tourism. Yeah, it's a great idea. Is ayahuasca something that you guys are researching? I mean, um, um, cannabis research is really kind of famous out in Israel. What have you guys found um, through through your research? What are you guys focusing on? So there's no much uh, medical cannabis uh, or cannabis research uh, being done in Peru. There is some. Uh, what we what I have found is that there are some companies and organizations researching uh, uh, Amazonian plants. So there's this company. Uh, they have this uh, the only cannabis license in in Peru called Tan Farm or Kimara Farms, I'm, I'm sure you know them. Uh, they, they have been uh, collaborating with, uh, with institutions in, in, in the jungle that, that investigate Amazonian plants in order to generate more products, uh, properly done products, uh, not only for the Peruvian consumption, but to export. That, that's a great thing because we, we have our backyard is filled with with plants and, and, and fungi and whatnot that could be pretty beneficial for us as humans. And we need to take advantage of that. Mm. You mentioned that you're getting a lot of data. You're a tech-enabled cannabis, uh, you know, this platform for Futura Farms. And, and a lot of that, it means you get to see a lot of data what are some of the demographics or, or other data that you can share with us that you're able to kind of see like who's buying and what they're buying, how much on average they're buying? Like any, any data you could share with us, what, what are you seeing? So basically we have uh, two kind of, three kinds of customers, like uh, people in their 20s or mid 30s, that are looking actively for, for cannabis, uh, for cannabis treatments. Uh, the, uh, this group is much more lenient with us. They, they don't have this stigma. They, they are open for, for, uh, for cannabis consumption, not only in the, in the medical side, but they, they also uh, would love to have a, an adult market. Then we have uh, people around, around 40, 50 years old, that uh, have, have grown with a heavy stigma that cannabis is a drug and cannabis is bad for you. Uh, but they are slowly uh, noticing that products such as CBD that don't get you high and, and give, you a, give you a lot of, a lot of uh, benefits uh, for anxiety, for inflammation, to help you sleep and all that. They are opening up, and the third, the third group are the parents of the the, the second group that uh, they they have a lot of pro problems, right? They they around 70, 80 years old. Uh, they 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 can benefit a lot from cannabis treatments, and they don't know uh, they don't know much. They 
they are the ones who uh, this bad publicity that cannabis had like 100 or 50 years ago. Uh, but they are open right now. The, the problem they have is that they don't know how to get it, right? They're 70 years old. They're all set on, on their ways. And, and the dynamic we see is that uh, their kids, we're talking about 50-year-olds, hook them up with, with us. They, they do all the process uh that then get the products and that's uh that's an interesting dynamic so they they basically buy uh or get their products for their parents and those those are the three main groups we we have identified that are are looking for for medical cannabis treatments here in peru what percentage are women i would imagine if i had to guess and say if the top three ailments were anxiety insomnia and pain there would be a significant amount of, of women involved. And then with CBD, even more so, um, I'm guessing 50, probably maybe 60% uh, are, are, yes. are women. Yes, yes. There are a lot of women. Uh, there are a lot of women in, in, in our platform, at least 50%. And I, as you said, it, it would be 60. And mainly because... Uh, I'm not sure how, how it is in the U.S., but here in Peru, uh, the women are are more inclined to take care of their parents. Mm. So, so who actually uh, or usually uh, contact us to get a medical consultation for for their parents are usually women, and they 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 probably also have ongoing medical treatments with, with CBD. Not so much CHC, but that depends really on the doctor, but the CBD is more. It's yeah, more I would say in the U.S. it's more about the women kind of being the house manager, if you will, the, right. they order the groceries and they buy the things that, that, that need to happen within the household. Yes. Same concept. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, well, you know, we talked about a lot. Is there anything else that, that you kind of want to throw out there um, at this point? uh not really about the, the our operations our, I, I believe our operations are, are quite simple all digital we're trying to move uh from peru into brazil and mexico next year hmm. uh so next year will be a very fun year uh, uh a lot of work and and is any of that have to do with with getting into the U.S.? Because I know that with what used to be called the North American Free Trade Agreement (NAFTA), if you got into Mexico, then that would be an easy access into the U.S. When U.S. federal legalization happens, is that part of your game plan, or do you just are you just trying to get into the, uh, the market in Mexico? Yes and no. We 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 thought of moving into the U.S. But uh, currently, we think that the U.S. market is kind of confusing regulatory-wise. Everything changes state by state, even county by county. And uh, we, we believe we, we know Latin America, uh, culturally-wise, uh, Mexico and Brazil and Peru, Colombia are, are very similar, uh, regulatory-wise also. So we, we see we have an opportunity uh, to be a leading company in Latin America, which is a, a huge market, over 60, 600 million people. 
And we identify Mexico and Brazil as the largest markets in Latin America. So our, our strategy is to, to gain leadership in those markets. And maybe uh, when the U.S. legalizes federally, uh, we, we go into the U.S. appealing uh, for a Latin American population, given that there are over 60 million uh, Spanish-speaking people in, in Latin America, in, in the U.S., I'm sorry. So mm-hmm. but that, that, that's amazing. We, we haven't planned uh, that out yet. We, we are, we're focusing on Latin America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I live in, in a Seattle, a suburb in Seattle, and the mayor in Burien is is uh, Mexican, and uh, there's a lot of Latinx uh, individuals in, in the community. So yeah, coming into the U.S. would be good. There's <laughs> there's there's a lot of folks here that would uh, resonate with with that product, I would imagine. And and the yeah, and I and I haven't seen much uh, platform for products in Spanish. Everything's mostly in right. English. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so there's an opportunity there. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of a missed opportunity. There there was the whole thing with um the some vitamin there's a vitamin store scandal in the US um and that there was a lot of Latinx customers and they got involved with that cuz they're looking for a more holistic approach and they don't really know the avenues and there's not a lot of trusted individuals so um yeah, I think that would be a added benefit to the community for sure. Right. Yeah, uh, sure. Where can people find you at? If they're interested at any level, investors or uh, consumers or anybody in between, where are you at? Social media, website and all that. Yeah, so we have two websites, futura-farms.com and organical.com with a double N. So organical is the, is the name, is the brand of the telehealth service. Futura Farms is the brand of our products. Uh, you can find you can find us there. Uh, we're on social media and Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, basically everything. Great, check them out with that. Um, I can't put some of those links in the show notes because uh, YouTube hates that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. Um, so I think with that, we're going to have to roll this one up. So I want to thank my guest Jose Escalante, CEO of Futura Farms. Appreciate you being on the Talking Hedge. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for having me. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. Well, I'm Josh Kincaid, and this is The Talking Hedge. So don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.